My name is Dennis. I'm starting a new sermon series with you. How many of you were here for the Word series, our last series we just finished? This was amazing. God, did God speak to you? Yes. Amen. So this series is called Eyewitness News. And this is looking at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus through the eyewitnesses, particularly Simon Peter. And so I'm going to start with a scripture, and then I'm going to pray as we start the sermon. And the scripture is Luke 1 verse 1. Luke 1 verse 1, you're welcome to go there. And Luke 1 verse 1 says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And those are the eyewitnesses this series is looking at, looking at the life of Jesus through the, what the eyewitnesses, those who saw it in reality, what they experienced. And we're particularly going to focus on the life of Simon Peter. And the title of my, my particular sermon is, At Your Word, I Will. And this photo on the screen is of Simon Peter. He took a selfie. <laughs> not really. And it's not actually a photo of him. It's just what I think he looks like. But before we dive into that story, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your hand. Lord, I thank you for this amazing testimony of Simi's. Lord, I thank you that you, Lord, you love us. You love us enough to make our dreams come true. And Lord, I pray that right now, as I share your word, Lord, that your word will echo through the lives of each person here, Father. And Lord, that you will touch our lives, Father. And Lord, we will be changed through the power of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're delving a little deeper into the life of Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter was an amazing man of God, and if you look at the Bible, you see his name coming up again and again and again. Simon Peter was born in a town called Bethsaida, and Bethsaida means house of fish. What do you think they did in that town? They fished. And this town was on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee was a big sea. It wasn't like Emerentia or Zoo Lake. It was a little big. It was 53 kilometers long, what well, still is. 53 kilometers long, and it's 21 kilometers wide, and it's about 10 stories deep. So it's not like, not like a small little lake, it's, it's a lake. And Simon Peter lived in Bethsaida, he lived in Capernaum, and at the time of the story we're going to be digging into, he was aged about 30 years old. Now, Simon Peter was a difficult guy. He wasn't like a, an easygoing guy. He was a bit rough around the edges. And if you read the Bible, you see he was impulsive. He would jump into things. He would do things. But he had a heart that sought God's hand. And my prayer is as we delve into his life and we see Jesus through his eyes, we will learn from him. Simon Peter was actually married, believe it or not. The Bible says that he was married. We don't know what his wife was like, but I'm sure she was a saint because he was difficult. He wasn't an easy guy. And apparently, scholars say he had three children, so he was a dad as well. Now, Simon Peter enters our story. If we read John, John 1, we actually hear of Simon Peter for the first time. And Simon was the brother. His brother was called Andrew. Now, Andrew had gone, and he had heard John the Baptist preaching. And he had heard John the Baptist, and he'd come, and he had sat at the feet of John the Baptist. Then Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized. Do you remember at the River Jordan? And Andrew saw this. And he saw this and he was witness to that. 
he then started to follow after Jesus. And so he was walking after Jesus. And then he, obviously, you could think he was walking there, and he suddenly thought, you know what? That brother of mine, that difficult brother, that rough fisherman, Simon Peter, Simon, he needs, he needs this Jesus. And so he decided that Jesus, I mean, that, that, that Simon was his just one. Simon was his person he's going to draw to the feet of Jesus. And so he went and drew and called Simon and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus, on seeing him, said the following. Jesus said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. And Cephas, this is in John 1 verse 42. Cephas is translated to Peter, and hence we say Simon Peter. But Cephas also means rock. And, and kind of Jesus talks about this is the rock on which I will build my church. And now the other translation for this word rock means rough stone. And this is Simon Peter. He was a rough stone. He was a fisherman. And fishermen in those days were rough people. They were, the, they were out there working in the sun. They were out there working in the rain. The Sea of Galilee had massive storms. They faced hardship. But they were, this was kind of the rough person Simon Peter was. But Jesus loved him. So... This story we're talking about is about a miracle at the Sea of Galilee. Now, this picture is not the Sea of Galilee. This is Fishhook, Fishhook in the Western Cape, okay? But those are fishermen, right? Now, I, when my wife and I got married, we lived in Fishhook for some time. And as we lived there, we used to watch these fishermen. They would go out really early in the morning while it was still dark. I don't know what time they went out because I wasn't awake. And so they went out early in the morning, and they would catch their fish, and they would take out their boats, and two boats would go out. And they would go out with their nets, and they would go to where they thought the fish were. They would drop the net, and then the two boats would come back to shore like this, and then they would climb out of their boats, and the fishermen would pull that net in using rope. And they were called track fishermen because they were pulling the nets in. And as they would pull these nets in for hours because they're pulling against the weight of the water, they're pulling hopefully a big catch. And they would draw this net in and bring this net to shore. And we often, at about 6.30 in the morning, that net would be at shore. And we would go and watch and see what was in those nets. And sometimes there would just be seaweed. Sometimes there would be Coke bottles. Sometimes there would be jellyfish. But sometimes there would be a catch of fish. And we used to watch the expressions on these fish. Remember, these fishermen, this was their lives. This is how they paid their children's school fees buy these fish. And you would watch, they had a big catch. They would celebrate. But sometimes they would just have seaweed or Coke bottles. And you would see this was how that would hit them, that, how that would hit their lives. Because they were like, because then their minds would start to worry, what happens if tomorrow is like this as well? So we're delving, delving into a story in Luke 5. So you can go in your Bibles to Luke 5. And this was set at the, on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. This is Jesus speaking, and Jesus is the point of the story. And so we read, start in verse 1. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And that's another name for the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is also sometimes referred to as Lake Tiberias in the Bible. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And that's where the title from, tonight, from today's sermon comes. At your word, I will. Verse 6 says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And let's pause here a moment. Think of this picture. I picture Jesus. He's woken up. It's early in the morning, kind of 6.30, 7 in the morning. He's walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. He's talking to people, maybe teaching them as he comes. And he comes to the spot where there's some boats here alongside the shore. And the fishermen are busy, and, and there's people. They're busy working. The working day is starting, and they're busy washing their nets. And this is kind of where we find the story taking place. Now, the amazing thing, if you think of the story, Jesus looks at the situation. He calls Simon Peter over and says, Simon, can I climb into your boat? Simon, can I climb into your boat? And why, why did Jesus climb into his boat? There's several possibilities. The one one, which is kind of the obvious one, is that Simon was talking, the people had drawn up to Simon when he was, he was teaching, and he was worried that he would kind of get pushed into the water because they were pressing in on him. Okay, so that's one response, an illogical response. The second reason I feel he climbed into the boat is water, sound carries over water. So if I am, when we used to live in Fishhook, people would be chatting in the sea and their voices would carry off to, to, to a lot further than they would normally. So it was like a natural microphone. The third reason is that that boat gave Jesus a platform from which to preach. So like I'm standing here, I'm preaching to you, I can see you, you can see me. Similar situation here. But I think the main reason is that Jesus climbed into Peter's boat because Jesus stepped into Peter's world. That fishing boat was, Jesus's, was, was Peter's world. Peter was a fisherman. That was his life. That was his business. And you can just picture this boat. These boats in those days were quite big. They were about eight meters long. So if you take it kind of from here to here, they were quite long. They were about two meters wide. And so these were significant boats. And, and this was his world. So Jesus stepped into Simon Peter's world. And if you imagine that boat, remember, they'd been out fishing that whole night. So that boat smelled of sweat, smelt of sweat, probably many years of sweat. That boat was rough. It smelt of rotten fish because many fish had found their way into that boat. It smelt of water and kind of dirty water. You could just imagine the bottom of the boat, bits of pieces of net, bits and pieces, Kentucky Fried Chicken, like wrappers and stuff. Coke bottles, okay, they, they weren't there then. And, but you can imagine the smell and feel of this boat. But Jesus stepped into Peter's world. This boat was Peter's world. And Jesus had stepped into his world. Now, a personal example of this is I, when I, before I 
became a pastor, I, one of the things I did is I worked as a training manager for a corporate. And as a training manager, I had to do training for different parts of that business, and one of which was hotels. They had some hotels. And so I was asked by this hotel, one of their hotels, which was a four-star hotel, to come train their housekeeping staff. Now, I didn't know anything about housekeeping. And so what I did is I said, Lord, help me to find a way to speak into the lives of these housekeeping staff. And so I trusted God for wisdom. And I really felt that the right thing to do was to go, which I did. I went to the housekeeping manager and I said, I want to work with your staff for two days. I want to feel what it feels like to be a housekeeper. Because the manager was saying, this is what you do. This is what's wrong. But I thought, let me step into their world. And that's what I did. And so I, would, I met them early that, the next morning. I had coffee with them. Spoke to them about, they spoke about what they're going to do that day. And then one of the ladies very kindly took me under her wing and she taught me how to clean a room. And it was hard work. I gained huge respect for these ladies because the amount of work it took was impressive. So we had to polish furniture, take the dirty laundry out, polish the furniture, clean the floor, clean the shower, clean the toilet. And so they would take 25 minutes to do this. I took 50. <laughs> and they laughed at me, but they, I think they appreciated it. And when I came to train them, I knew what was needed in terms of the training because I'd been in their world. But also, do you think they listened to me a little bit more? Yes. yes, because I'd taken the time to step into their world. And that, to me, is a challenge for each of us. Are we taking time to step into the worlds of people we're wanting to share with, to share lives with? So as we go through the rest of the sermon, I'm going to kind of pull out a few lessons. The first one is habits. What's interesting here is that the fishermen had gone out of their boats and we're washing their nets. And I wondered, why, Lord? Why do you even mention this? It's hardly relevant to the story. But as I thought about it, I realized that why were they washing their nets? They hadn't caught anything, but they were washing their nets because they believed in the harvest. They were going to throw those nets out the next day and try again. And for each of us, we have nets in our lives, which are habits, which we should be doing in our lives for that lead to, to our success. And so one of those habits is reading God's Word. We just had a series where we spoke about that. Are we reading God's Word? Are we digging into God's Word? Because that's a net that's going to bring in a harvest. That's a net that's going to bring God's abundance into our lives. Are we exercising? Are we eating correctly? What are the habits? What are the nets that you need to have in your life? The second point is what I call hardship. And so, if you think of this, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so Jesus preached the sermon. We don't hear in that part of Scripture what that sermon was about. But Jesus preached the sermon, and then he said to Simon Peter, he said, bring your net, the one you've just washed. Come, let's go out a little bit deeper with this boat. And we're going to, I want you to throw those nets over again. And Simon Peter said, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. And you can kind of sense a little bit of maybe sarcasm in his voice. He's saying master. Master means teacher or wise person. And so he's like, master, me fisherman, you master. But also, master, we've toiled all night and not caught anything. 
we've done this already. And I want you to apply this to your own lives. For some of you, you're feeling that way. There's the sense of frustration that comes through in, in Simon Peter. I've tried hard. I've been, you've been working hard at your job, but you've not seen the fruit. Other people have got promoted past you. You haven't. You've been trusting God for the healing of someone, but you haven't seen them be, get healed. You've been praying for the salvation of your husband or your friend, but you've not seen the fruit of that. You've been trusting God for his miracle in your life, and you've not seen that miracle come about. Maybe a relationship, your marriage, you've been praying for years, and that breakthrough, you've you, you got that sense, I'm toiled all night, and I'm not seeing the fruit. In my life, I studied archaeology, which archaeology is the study of past human civilization. So archaeologists study the past. And so I qualified as an archaeologist, did my master's, and I started working for the UCT contract archaeology office, doing work for them. And so that work entailed things like when they were building a hotel, um, they, with this one hotel, they discovered that there was a graveyard where they needed to put the foundations of the hotel, or not graveyard, but bodies, buried. And so my job was to go and pull out those bodies. Nice. And so I would arrive home at the end of a workday with two bodies in my boot, okay? It was just the skeleton. And I wanted to keep the skulls, but my wife said no. And I wasn't allowed to anyway. But this is what I did. But the problem is, I'd worked really hard. I'd come top of my class. I'd published two academic articles with my lecturer. But I couldn't get work. I couldn't get permanent work. And this contract work dried up because it was dependent on what was happening, who was digging for a hotel. And so I ended up without work for six months. And I was like, Lord, I've worked so hard. I've toiled all night, and I'm not seeing the fruit. Lord, why? Did I go wrong? Did I misunderstand you somewhere along the line? But you know what? There's good news. God says, and this is my third point, Jesus said, to Peter, throw down your nets. Peter said, but master, I'm frustrated. But Peter also said, but at your word, I will let down your nets. Despite the frustration, despite the disappointment, I'm still going to believe you at your word, Lord God. And this is what Peter did. And this is an important lesson for us. At your word, I will. At your word, I will. What is God saying in your life? Are you listening to what he's saying? There's tremendous power in God's word. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says that God's word does not return to him void. And it's almost like if God speaks his word, that word goes out like an arrow. So it goes out and it's going to go and it's going to go and it's going to hit Tony's life. Bah! And Tony's life is impacted by the word because God's word does not return to him without having done what God has called it to. And so, but how do we hear God's word? Because sometimes that's our battle. And I was listening to just a, a talk the week before last by a guy called Mark Batterson. And Mark Batterson spoke about hearing God's voice. And he said there's seven ways we hear God's voice. The first one is through Scripture. And this is the primary voice of God. This, you, we use Scripture to judge any other words. If you hear a word of God and it's contrary to Scripture, it's not God's word. 
our script, the scripture is what we use to test all the other words. So we use God's word. We use scripture. That's why we need to be in the word. Secondly, God speaks to us through the desires of our heart. So for my wife and I, God put a desire in our heart to work with orphan and vulnerable young people, which is what we do through home base. This was a desire in our heart. This was God speaking through us. God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks through open doors. He speaks through closed doors. God speaks through people. And that's why it's important that we have godly people around us who are going to speak into our lives, who are going to challenge us to grow. God speaks through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I was sitting the week before last at our connect group. I have a connect group at Cresta Shopping Center in the food court. And I was sitting at my connect group, and as I was teaching them, I kept on being distracted because there was a guy sitting over there, and I felt God saying to me, go speak to him. And because I'm an introvert, I'm a shy guy, I don't easily go there. I'm like, Lord, but I was thinking of all the reasons why I couldn't and shouldn't go speak to him. I'm with these guys now. I need a... But God challenged me, go speak to him. And so after the connect, I said goodbye to the guys who were with me. And I went and spoke to him. And his name was Vic. And he was about 68 years old, an old guy. But he was, he had had a hard life. And he was very cynical, skeptical of Christianity. But God used me to speak a, a word into his life. And so I've got his number now and trying to keep in touch with him. Because that's what God's called us to, to listen to his voice and to obey. God also speaks to us through pain. I don't know if any of you have come across people who have, there's just such a depth of God in their lives. If you speak to them, you'll see they've been through pain. And that pain has grown them. That pain has developed character in them. So if we swing back to to the story, God calls us to obey him when he speaks. Simon Peter's choice was to not obey. Simon Peter's choice was to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm the fisherman. Fisherman, look. Carpenter, look. Teacher, look. I'm the fisherman. I'm the expert. There's no fish because fish, you can't catch them during the day. And then we just fish there. But you know what? God called him to obey even when it wasn't logical. God speaks to you in ways like that as well. He's saying something to you to say you need to obey even when it doesn't go with what society is saying. Even when it doesn't go with what's maybe logical in your mind. That's what faith is. Faith is listening to God's voice, even when it doesn't feel like, it should, like we should. We need to obey even when it goes against our own experience. So for some of you, you've been trusting God for healing. And you prayed for someone for healing, maybe. And you prayed for that someone and they weren't healed. Maybe they passed away. And then automatically the devil's lie in our ear is, you see, God doesn't hear. You see, God God will listen to you in this area, but he's not going to listen to you in that area because, because you're too weak or he's too weak. But God says, even if our experience has shown us that we can't trust in God or we shouldn't obey, God still calls us to obey. God calls us to pray for that next person and trust him that he is true to his word. God calls us to obey even when the cost is high. If you listen, look at the realm of history, you see how God has spoken into people's lives. They've done what God has called them to do, and they've died as a result. If you think of Simon Peter, the cost was high for him. He was going to be embarrassed. All the rest, you can see all the rest of the fishermen going, 
that's a silly guy. Why is he taking his boat out in the middle of the day? He's just wasting his time. And, but he, he obeyed even when the cost was high. And what's God saying in your life? What's God saying in your life? A step you have to take. Go speak to that person in your office. Go do this. Undertake this adventure. Apply for this. And you're going, but Lord, the cost is high. Or end that relationship. The cost is high, but there's reward in, in following God's voice. So even when we're weak or scared, there's, if you think, look at the Bible, Gideon, David, Esther, they were scared. Moses, they were scared, but they still walked in obedience with God, and God came through, and even when it's hard. And a couple of scriptures here. John 15 verse 14 says, you are my friends if you, if you do what I command you. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 2 John 1 says, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. We're called to obey God's word. The fourth point is we, Simon Peter saw the reward. He had toiled all night. He had seen nothing. He obeyed God and he saw God's abundance. He saw the blessing. That boat was filled with fish. And that was a lot of fish. God poured out his abundance. And it came, through, it came through allowing Jesus into his boat. It came through listening and hearing God's voice and obeying it. And it came through resting in God and allowing him to act. And so there was an abundance in his life. And God wants to bless us. He's a God who wants to give us good gifts. There are two scriptures I want to read. The one says, Luke 11 verse 28 said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That says we will be blessed if we hear the word of God and we keep it. James 1.25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. God calls us to act and obey. And he promises that if we obey, we will see his blessing upon our lives. But it takes us saying, I'm willing to obey. Now, how did Peter, Simon Peter respond to all of this? Simon, it says in, in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Can you notice the difference? Simon started talking about Jesus as master, teacher. After seeing God's hand and his abundance, he was suddenly talking about Jesus as Lord. Suddenly he had seen God's miracle in his life. He had seen God's abundance in his life. And he realized that he had to come down before God. And there was something that he had to respond to who God is in his life. And Jesus calls each of us to a response. He calls each of us to respond to his word. The last point I want to deal with is Jesus said to Simon Peter, follow me. And in verse 10 it says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And what's amazing about this is I just love the way Jesus was with Simon Peter. If you think about it in this way, Peter, maybe if you could put the last slide up for me. Peter was kind of like this guy in his own boat, right? 
He was working on his own. And some of you are, are here today and you're feeling that. You're feeling like I'm standing in my boat. I'm trying to catch my fish. But I'm not seeing the fruit. But you know what happened? Jesus stepped into his boat. Simon Peter obeyed what Jesus was calling him to do. And Jesus came through in an amazing way. Once Jesus was there, there was abundance. Once Jesus was there, God's gifts and blessing was upon him. Jesus also gave Peter the strategy for the harvest. He said, Peter, go there. Throw the net over there. And I think my encouragement to you and to us is as you go through life, trust God for the strategy. We need to be listening for the strategy. Sometimes we kind of, we're listening for the spiritual strategy, but we're not listening for the physical strategy. What's God saying in your workplace? If you're an accountant, you can trust God for strategy for how you do your accounting. Because God wants to speak into that. He's interested in that. He, that's, your, he's, that's him climbing into your boat, your accounting boat. So what is the strategy you can trust God for in your life? What is the strategy? And that's where you have to, we have to sometimes pause and listen to hear what is God saying? What is God saying that you can bring into your workplace? What is God saying that you can bring into your family? What is the word God saying to you that you need to obey? Peter said, if you remember verse 8, Peter said, I am not good enough. I am sinful man. I come before you, Lord Jesus. And for some of you, you're sitting here going, it sounds all good, Dennis, but I'm not good enough. Oops, that's my phone telling me I'm out of time. For some of you, that's the message that the devil's speaking to you. You're not good enough. You can't make it. How are you going to succeed at your job? Look at you. Look at the mess. Look, you've worked all night. You may as well give up. But you know what? Jesus came. He looked at Simon Peter and he said, Simon Peter, I'm not only going to make you a good fisherman. Look at all these fish. But I'm going to make you the fishers of, fisher of men. Your fruit from your life is going to be a lot more than this pile of fish at the bottom of a boat. And that's my encouragement to you. Is firstly, let Jesus into your boat. Secondly, listen for his voice. Thirdly, obey his voice. Fourth, do what he says. Walk it out. And then allow him to use you in the lives of other people. Amen? Amen. So God wants to, is speaking to each one of you today. And he's saying, are you willing to let Jesus step into your life? Are you willing to let Jesus step into every area of your life? Are you let, willing to let him act through you into your life. That's what he's called all of us to do. And sometimes there are going to be hardships. Sometimes there's going to be things where we battle. I think of Simi's testimony. It wasn't easy. I'm sure getting there was difficult, but God was faithful. And that's where I want to just encourage you with God's faithfulness. So can I ask you to stand? I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray with uh, two groups of people today. The first one is if, you've, if you, that's you and you've been, Lord, I've been toiling. I've been doing what I should be doing, but I'm not seeing the fruit. If you're saying, Lord, I want to see that breakthrough. I want to see the impossible made possible. I want to see the abundance of God's grace, His good gifts. 
that boatload of fish, Lord, I need it. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And let me pray. Father, I thank you for each person who's raising their hand, Father. Lord, we thank you that you want to be in our boats with us, Father. Lord, that you love us enough to step into our world, Father. Lord, that you loved us enough to die for us, Father. And Lord, I pray for each person here who's raising their hands. Lord, I pray for breakthroughs. Lord, I pray for boatloads of fish, Father. Lord, I pray for your revelation to them. I pray that you will, they will hear your voice. They will know it's your voice and they will obey, Father. I pray that you will change lives through them. Lord, that you will bring truth into their lives and you will use them to speak your word into their business, into their situation, Father. And Lord, I pray for breakthrough, Father. I pray for your abundance upon each person, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The second, you can stay standing. The second group of people I want, I'm talking to is if you're standing here and you're saying, but I've never invited Jesus into my life. I've never invited Jesus into my boat. Or you may have said, I invited him in, but it, it didn't work, so I kicked him back out again. I want you to raise your hand and wave at me and say, Lord, this is me. This is me. I, I need more of you. I'm seeing a few hands. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want Jesus. And if you've raised your hand, can I ask you, I want you to come down to the front so we can pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. So if you raised your hand, can I ask you to come to the front and, and I will pray for you. Bring your belongings with. If you came with a friend, drag them along. But we want to see. So, so let's, let's give God a hand as they come down. Anyone else? Anyone else you need to come down here this morning? Amen. Come, come closer to me. Well done. It says in God's word that when you make a decision to step into the kingdom of God, which is what you're doing today, the angels in heaven celebrate with you. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want everyone just to pray with me. So let's pray. Father, Lord, I come before you this morning. And Lord, I come before you as, as a broken person. Lord, I come before you, and I, I give you my life. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I recognize I need you. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will forgive me. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will come into my heart. And Lord, I turn away from my sin, my wicked ways. And Lord, I look to you. And Lord, I want to have you in my boat. And Lord, I pray, I want to walk with you. I want to hear your voice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.